Welcome to What's the Word Downtown, a weekly podcast dedicated to mining the depth of the word, a word that's sharp and active in downtown Tyler, Texas. Join Eric, Matt, and Mike as we get the word out at Bethel. Hey, welcome to What's the Word Downtown. I'm Matt McGill. This is Pastor Eric Barton. Nice to have you uh, from wherever you're watching from. We're looking at Mark uh, 1, uh, 14 through actually 45. I actually got the Because Pastor of, Matt McGill oh, brought the word this past Sunday at Bethel Bible Church, the Thank downtown you. campus. Matt fed the folks, and uh, I get to sort of turn the proverbial table here yeah, man. and say, hey, listen, you brought the word Gospel of Mark, the introduction of Jesus's ministry as it transitions from John the Baptist. Why did you want to do that passage as you looked at the Mark series? What made you go, hey, that's a text that I want to tackle? Well, I, one of my favorite t-shirts that Megan makes fun of me about is a, a t-shirt that says Jack Rabbit Racing Fuel. <laughs> and and okay. when you said the word immediately was used 42 times in the book of Mark, it's like, this is a jackrabbit gospel. Yeah. It's happening fast. Okay. And so as I started to really kind of look into the text, I realized, wow, this is like a carpet just pushed out that's unfurling. Okay. And it's moving fast and it's beautiful and it's and it's clear to everyone that this is what's going down. And I mean, I, I shouldn't say clear to everyone. It was clear to me as a believer and as a um, as one who's seeking to uh, see the evidence of Jesus's movement, God's movement in my life. I gleaned a lot of enthusiasm from okay. seeing how this king and a kingdom is unfurling so quickly. So quickly, it's three and a half years ish of yeah. Jesus's earthly ministry, and yet in the timeline of the nation of Israel, all the way through into the age of the church, that is a blink of an eye. And so it is rapid paced. Mm -hmm. You get this chunk of text inspired by God mm -hmm. to take John the Baptist's proclamation out in the wilderness, mm -hmm. transitioning mm -hmm. into the life of Jesus. Now you, I thought, did a great job of sort of pausing and putting a thumb down and go, hey, look, I want you to understand the, the severity and the significance of this transition. John the baptizer mm -hmm. is uh, sort of, in your words, representative of religion up to that point. Right. So that may well, be misunderstood. So I like I that. like you, you. You've called me sometimes. You said you said you are the man, and I say, wow, that feels good. If anybody <laughs> ever tells you you're the man, that feels good. But the, here's what I want to say: is that Jesus couldn't have been any clearer to Jesus. John the Baptist was the man. Right. He says, among, uh, among women, there's not a finer man born. Mm -hmm. And for me, the way I sort of, what I sort of intuit from that, or, or what I read into that, is like, the very best a man could be found its fulfillment in John the Baptist. And yet, and yet. John knew he needed repentance, mm -hmm. and he knew he must decrease that Christ would increase. So when you say, because I mean... That's a that's a verse that is in the Gospel of John, and it's it's certainly here in, in the narrative that John the baptizer has to decrease that Christ may increase. I think that gets misapplied oftentimes mm -hmm. is you know it's on a doily in someone's hallway yeah. or it's on a bumper yeah. sticker. But what does John mean? 
when he says that? I can't get to God. God has to come to me. Okay. <laughs> and so if, if I'm to get to God, it's going to be because I stopped trying to get to God and I let God have me. Yeah, okay. I mean, for me, that's sort of like the end of religion. And I think that's what Jesus came to announce. And I think it's what he makes clear uh, in that in that it, it started out for me. I thought, okay, let me just, let me not look ahead. Let me just look at this gospel as it unfurls, you know, instead of seeing the maybe a grander picture, let me see this verse to verse. And I see, wow, John is arrested. When John is arrested, Jesus starts preaching. Mm. And so my first point, and I don't, I don't know that I really brought this out in the passage or in the, in the preaching on Sunday, but one of the things I thought was when, when repentance is arrested, or when repentance is stifled or constricted, this idea of like, here's John going out to the wilderness doing this very, very good thing, mm -hmm. this prophetic good thing. He was the fulfillment of the Malachi uh, prophecy, mm -hmm. uh, the coming in the spirit of Elijah. And you, pro you preached about that with the, the hare and the mm -hmm. locusts and all that. This is a wild man. Mm hmm and, but he's outside of the, the halls of power, outside of Jerusalem, out in the wilderness, in some ways saying the answer is not in the temple. The answer is of moving away from that out into the wilderness to go back some, somehow to where Abraham was when he first heard from God. Mm -hmm. Like we've got to somehow, somehow return back to this idea before all this religion heaped up and this oral tradition began to stifle us. I mean, there was something like John knew in his prophetic soul, something is gravely wrong and we need, we need repentance. Yeah. And that is what will prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Okay. And that's exactly what happens. So now let's volley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you and I have both read and are fans of uh, some work by Professor David Dark. Mm -hmm. And his definition of religion is, and I've used it a lot, you've said it yeah. before, it's merely an organizing narrative. Mm -hmm. So when you say it's the end of religion, that's not what you mean. You mean religion in the negative connotation sense. You mean religion in the transactional give to get kind of a sense. As or? soon as I heard re-legion to tie back to God, then every time I, every time I see the word re legion, religion, I see that the impetus is on man. That God does not use religion to tie to man, but that God, that man uses religion to try to, to try to get to God. Right. And so the entire expanse of the fall and the way that God worked it out, giving a gift as it were, he gave the gift of religion in a sense. He gave the lift of the organizing narrative to Moses. He gives the Decalogue and, and, and he gives the prophets to call them back to. But, 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 but there is a sense in religion that is something like you're still separated from God. So this is the instrument for you to get to God. Mm. But Jesus comes and says, that is no more because I am. Right. So to quote the prophet Michael Stipe, it is a losing of one's I almost, religion. I, almost, I mean, so that's a, that's a southern phrase. I'm losing my religion is something like going crazy. It can be, and that's exactly what happened in the synagogue right. when Christ presented to this man. 
But it's because there is a threatening and intentional frontal assault on an organizing narrative that says, this is how you accomplish, this is how you obtain, this is how you achieve, this is how you ascend. Mm -hmm. That is a religion that is most normatively understood. But when Jesus comes and says, I'm not just saying organizing narratives no longer have a place, but there's a new organizing narrative. Because, as the writer of Hebrews says, the blood of bulls and goats cannot, it's impossible for that to take away sin. And so the picture, since John the baptizer is an Old Testament prophet, you and I Mm -hmm. talked about this, the picture is Jacob. That, whether it was a ladder, a staircase, an escalator, probably more accurately Mm -hmm. a ziggurat, Mm -hmm. which is tying back to Genesis 11 and what the people were trying to do at Babel, the new organizing narrative is that no God comes to us. All the way down. down. All the way. So come on with that, because you talked about it a little bit in the time that you had on a Sunday, yeah. but there's a descent by God, not an ascent by man. Now, those are both a religion, not a not a, 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 a stricture or a ligature, but a an organizing religion that says, mm-hmm. I have to ascend or God must descend. And yet we do have the John saying, I decrease, Christ increases. His so, head was literally cut off. Now that came to me, and I was like, <laughs> "I was like, now wait just a second, because we always think of, oh, what a nasty, evil man Herod was, and he was, and he was, yeah." And the fact that John's head is cut off, what sixty, eighty, seventy years before the temple is decimated, mm-hmm. and Jesus is coming to say the old covenant does not have the power that you think it has, and thus. I am. Here is the new covenant, and that the, that in a, in, in a, and I. What do you do with a snake? What do you have to do? What do you have to cut off? You gotta cut off the head. You gotta cut off the head. And I don't mean to say right. that John is a snake. Of course not. But right. but the idea that obedience to the law of God is the same as obedience to God. Right. That has to be cut off because now you're in a land of ideological abstraction that captivates your soul. And what I say by that is like, am I obeying God or am I trying to understand these rules so much that I will obey each and every one? And wait, are you not obeying them? And you become something like less than human right? or less than what God wants you to be as you become captivated by some abstraction rather than the concrete, I love you. There is nothing between us. We are both forgiven. God is here. Christ is within us, between us, among us. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, for me, that... that it's, cons- a, it's a ghastly, grotesque and gruesome, if I may alliterate, mm-hmm. conclusion. And a completion of... John is an Old Testament prophet that was calling people to repentance. But again, as we've said many times, the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Law was the the structure to have covenant forgiveness to remain in the land. Mm-hmm. That's no longer sufficient. So we talked about this, mm-hmm. I think, right after you preached. The law of Moses was a good thing. It was yeah. a grace. Yeah. And it provided, through the Levitical priesthood and the sacrificial system, a means of temporarily atoning for, covering sin, covering God's eyes mm-hmm. temporarily. Mm-hmm. But all of that could never cleanse a single human conscience. That's right. And what that's why I called John pure religion. And I say pure, 
I'm 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 following in Jesus's footsteps, who says, "Among women, there's not a finer man born." Right. He was as pure a distillation of the essence of the old covenant as was, could exist. Yeah, and it wasn't enough. And it wasn't enough. And so there had to be it was, a But it was enough to point to Jesus. Yes. It was exactly, it fulfilled its role in the purest way that religion can, pointing to the moon, but the finger itself not being the moon. Right. So as, yeah. as, John, as John prepared, he prepares the way by pointing to the, he says, I'm not even, I can't even unlace his, sho- lace his shoes, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm, yeah. I'm messing it up. But the, the sense is, is like, John, under, John understands that uh, somehow he's given to understanding. And I really don't know. It's very mystical, right? Because we don't get the, we don't get their cousins. I mean, they, John leapt in the yeah. womb. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and you get, almost get that sense of like pure religion would leap in the womb when it, when it, was, when it would be that close to the, to the Messiah. Sure. Because that is the purest distillation of what, religion's initial intent or creative capacity. All right. So then let's, so let's get right down into it because it's the 21st century. Here we sit in East Texas. You touched on this on Sunday and I was glad that you did. And I was nervous that you did because it's, it's real and it's potentially raw for a lot of people's real lives. There is a tendency in all of us to still want to follow John the Baptist but that is not what we've been called to or invited into. There's a tendency to follow John the Baptist in being old covenant correct versus following Christ. And not just following Christ, but being in Christ. There is this um, sense in which in the 21st century, we might still try to focus so much on what we do, on our on our goodness and our goodingness. Yes, yes. And you did this great, great thing on Sunday where you said, listen, if you're not exuding and serving, stop trying to. There's a, there's no, no. a thing under yeah, the Exactly. Thing. Stop trying, but don't start trying. And this is that you've got to, re- we always talk about the difference between trying and relying. Okay, I mean, that is a, that's a grand and great distinction, right? Yeah. Because trying says, I don't have what I want to get. And relying says, I do have the source of anything that, that good that would come and from And what me. I think I need, I might not actually need. So I'm that's, relying on the one who knows better. That's right. That's right. So, you know, as, as, as Jesus uh, is, well... <laughs> Tell, tell me where tell me where uh, where we got into where I was just uh, my mind went blank on the scripture that we were at where we were talking about uh, oh yes the, ser- the service the Peter in laws Peter's mother in law mm-hmm. Peter's mother in law is healed and immediately she stands up rises up I'm, I'm seeing this theme again and again mm-hmm. we're going to explore it this Sunday is that when Christ heals they rise there's a sense of like. There's like a sniff of what will be resurrection lives occurring even now, mm-hmm. and I and I find that uh, that that verse about his arm not being too short to reach down and stir up new life. It's like the valley of the dry bones. It's mm-hmm. like new kingdom uh, experience, the new kingdom reality of living in Christ. Need be, ought be, can be is defined by resurrection. Being lifted, and so extricated. it's Christ that elevates, Christ yes. that animates. That's right. But if you believe somehow that you only become animated by your doing, 
you're going to get the very opposite of that. Wow. Well, I think for me personally, as just one individual, the Gospel of Mark, I don't want to say above the other three because they're all three so marvelously pertinent and impactful. But as a kid who grew up in my context, that it was almost literally bludgeoned into me that refrain of, if it's to be, it's up to me. Mm. If it's to be, it's up to me. And we, we celebrate that in our custom, in our culture, in our context of the Protestant work ethic. If it's to be, it's up to me. But the Gospel of Mark, written principally from Rome and to Romans, I think is the silver bullet, the wooden stake in the heart of that vampire. And I love how you're drawing these things out with the conclusion, the abrupt, <laughs> grotesque end of John the Baptist's ministry, which was an egregious thing. It's the cousin of Jesus. Jesus yeah. mourned that, and yet that had to have a very severe breakage to lead us into this, if it's to be, it's up to he. But that's the thing. It's like everything that God gives that's good, we have the propensity to hold on to that's as right. if it's final. That's right. As if it's final and that it's ours and that we can possess it. And I think that's the problem is that the good word of the gospel oftentimes gets translated into people's actual functional lives as a new means of control. Hmm. And that it doesn't get down into them. Which is an illusion. It's an illusion. And we're starting to affectionately call it the gospel. So G-L-A-W-S-P-E-L. That is, you have the gospel presented, but then somebody wedges in some sense of like, and now it's up to you. And it's like, hold on. You've just you've just given me, right. uh, you know, a, a chocolate chip cookie full of <laughs> chocolate chips when one little yeah. piece of poo. Right. It's like I don't. There, it may taste good all the way around, but I don't know what I'm eating right. any longer. And it's like, no, we feed on the life. Of the the you know, if you don't drink my blood mm-hmm. and eat my flesh, you have no part in the kingdom of heaven. It's a it's a gross and strange thing, except that it's got to get inside of you. And that's what we're going to see in Mark is that Jesus goes to the house. So what, before you okay, do that, sorry. no, no, yeah, that's yeah. good. But you got, in this first chapter of Mark, you've got these little vignettes uh-huh. that are sort of daisy-chained together. That's the popcorn on the Christmas that's been yeah. threaded. You've got, you've got the, the, the transition. Two, you've, you've got the, the two brothers. The two brothers. The first two calling. brothers, the down and out. Yeah. Fishing at night, coming in empty. Uh-huh. And then in Luke, having understanding, I mean, I had, I had a hard time. I wanted to follow Mark, but I knew... In Luke, that they came in with empty nets, and he says, cast them over to the other side. They come up so much that their nets are breaking with so many fish, and they leave them ostensibly. They leave the fish to come, and, and essentially, I mean, Peter falls at his feet. So the following is something like, not you can help me get fish and make me rich, Good. but that the power over the physical realm is with you, and so I want to be with you. So, that's, so in that vignette, that's great. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Power, life, authority, sovereignty is with Jesus. And so Jesus invites them into this. Hey, guys, you don't have to take a test. You don't have to score a 1450 on your SAT. You don't need to learn to be a better fisherman. He didn't give them tips to fish. He showed them that he has the power over the entire physical world. And as such, he is God living among us. Get close to that guy. 
So right they on. follow. They can't help but follow. Right on. So then they go right right, and then they see the, the up and coming, James and John, who some texts say they were preparing their nets. Some said mending, but some said preparing. I like preparing in so much as it's like these guys were in the boat with their father, with his hired men, which said he has his own boat. He's out his own hired men. This is a wealthy man, this Zebedee. He's, he's known about it. And later on, Salome, is that her name? Mm-hmm. And his wife will, will contend for the boys to have mm-hmm. their right and left hand at Jesus' yeah. side. This is a, this yeah. is a family who's used to power. And, and, and what they have, the future is so bright, they've got to wear shades, this James <laughs> and John. You know, they're the up and coming. And, but the, the, the point I made on Sunday was Jesus does not care what stage of your life, whether you're down and out or up and coming. He's calling you, not your goodness and not your badness. He's calling you. So he calls them and they follow and they leave their father in his boat with his hired men. In other words, your father's life is your father's life. Mm-hmm. Don't be controlled by your father's life. By that organizing narrative. By that organizing There's a new narrative. One. The, the religion of familial obedience, mm-hmm. obedience to keeping your family together or, or making some sort of, uh, sort of uh, taking some yoke of slavery that, was, that, that Jesus died to deliver you from. Wow. So the, the, the obliteration of the should construct, mm-hmm. well, that's my dad, I should, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. and yet Jesus calls us to something grander, mm-hmm. more noble, more eternal. Mm-hmm. I love that. I loved your treatment on that. I think that was impactful for a lot of our hearers, mm-hmm. and I hope it will continue to be so. Mm-hmm. They go from that into the synagogue, and they encounter a dude with an unclean spirit. That's a strange juxtaposition. Well, but when you see how both the down and out and the up and coming followed, Mm-hmm. Then he takes them to the synagogue to see the exact opposite. Okay. That you have a people who are somehow believing that their organizing narrative mm. is religious. And see, it's just close enough to what Christ is saying mm-hmm. to keep them completely inoculated and, and prevent them from seeing what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and he upsets them, upsets one of them to the degree that he pulls out the entire organizing narrative and this impure spirit actually speaks to the truth. Yeah. To the truth of what's going on, saying, Jesus of Nazareth, what have you to do with us? Rhetorical question. He knows exactly what Jesus <laughs> yeah, he does. wants to have yeah, to do does. with him. He says, you are the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy us? Why, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And if there's a sense that it, in this, it's like, and he went around preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. And one has to wonder if the proliferation of demons is not somehow tied to the corrupt handling of the law and the oral tradition of course. that only manifested the dis-ease of the people. You know, and, and you and I talked about the distance between a chemical imbalance or, uh, or, or real spiritual upset. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to know. Right. And yet, the same Jesus exists for the healing of both. Sovereign over both. Yeah. So it's good. To me, that was that was a really that was a that was a very powerful thing. And then for him to have to say, you know, these demons can't be telling me who I am. I know who I am. I don't need I don't need Satan telling me who I am. And you said you you brought a point home to me that was it was almost as if they were urging him to take the kingdom now. Right. Like, like Satan had said, he took him up to the hill to the highest point and said, all this is yours. And it's almost as if these demons are a, a reminder uh, of the option to avoid the cross. Right. The option that exists for Christ always, which is why 
his perfect submission is perfect submission. Now that, if I'm a Roman hearer, that sounds like honor, the likes of which I've never seen before. I've heard about it. Mm -hmm. It's been probably beaten into me as a Roman soldier, a Roman mm -hmm. citizen, honor, nobility, dignity, and duty. Mm -hmm. But if I'm a Roman reader of this gospel, I'm like, who is that guy mm -hmm. that is not tempted by elevation? Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody in Rome was tempted by elevation and the advancement of their station. This guy actually has the power and won't be forced forward. Because he's already settled it. Yeah. He settled it in the wilderness. And that was one of my points. That was that wilderness always precedes yeah. ministry. So that... To the degree that you're going through a wilderness of your life, in your life, and, and, and it was said to me one time, you're either coming out of it, going into it, or in the midst of it right. at, at any time. So, so that it's a great comfort to know that surely God was in this place, is in this place, and you don't realize it. Well, I'm telling you, he's in it, and so to that degree, you can expect ministry to flow forth from your time in the wilderness, that God is doing something to you, even in what seems like his absence. Well... A great reminder that comes directly from the Word of God mm -hmm. that many of us functionally live in a de facto mindset of wilderness avoidance. Mm. And we organize our days mm -hmm. to have wilderness avoidance mm -hmm. programming. Mm -hmm. But that may be the very thing that God's leading us into such that, like a demon-possessed guy in a synagogue, the next person he encounters is the leper. I mean... Well, Peter's mother-in-law, then the leper. Oh, sorry, there you go, yeah. yeah. That that is the very kind of thing that that perhaps God is wooing us through this wilderness, but so that we can see Jesus. And that's a theology of the cross. That is the theology of the cross. That rather than a theology of glory that says I've got to stay on the straight and narrow, and then I'll never have a wilderness. <laughs> no. I've got to follow all the rules and never sin, and then I'll then I won't have the wilderness. Right. And it's like your life already is a wilderness. Mm -hmm. Because in some ways, we're beset by this old kingdomness that is all around us. Yeah. And God has put within us a heart of flesh to respond. Respond. In some ways, you respond in joy, in spite of sadness. And someday, sometimes you have to actually feel the weight of the sadness of life. There's a ground note of sadness to sure. life. And that, that, that there is a time for everything, that we have to be emotionally available in the confidence that God has gone before us. And so it's like a theology of glory, or the theology of the cross would say, this present cross uh, is putting some part of me to death mm -hmm. that will ultimately make me become more alive. Bingo. Bingo. The way to life is through death. And not just the finality of my existence on the planet, but experiencing that, expecting that, inviting that, and rejoicing. And look at how Jesus is taking the, the, the presumed understanding of what a rabbi would do right. and what, I would, what it would be, and he is literally putting that to death. Mm -hmm. How is he putting that to death? He goes in uh, to the synagogue and says, I am, a blaspheme to some. He's going to forgive. He's going to say forgive sins. We're going to talk about that next week. But, mm. but, but then he goes to a woman uh, Peter's mother-in-law and touches her in the midst of her sickness, which would have put him unclean and made him, you know, it's like he's turning a rabbi upside down. What does it mean to teach? What does it mean to serve? He touches her. Then he's going to go in and he's going to touch the leprosy. Jesus is coming closer and closer and closer down, to down, the heart of down. man and down, down into, down into the, 
the the heart of the problem, which is the problem of the human heart. Mm, sounds like there's a theme that we're going to talk about next week. Yes, it's going to be good. Next Real week, good. this coming Sunday, our own pastor Matt McGill will be preaching from Mark chapter two into wait, chapter three. Can't, can't wait. wait to see you Sunday morning, third floor, second floor, first floor, or online Bethel downtown. Let's do it. See you soon. God bless. Bye now.